Welcome back to Mentors Among Us. Uh, I'm Bradley, and today I have Mr. Zaro Baby Ox Alfian here with me in the podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Zaro Alfian. I'm 25 years old. Well, currently very stressed from MCO. But yeah, I'm still studying and doing stuff right now. Yeah. Okay, I I want to start with this question that uh, I've been saving to ask you. And I, I texted you on social media. I said mm-hmm. that, hey, bro, I've been stalking you for a while. It's because I thought you'd be a perfect guest for the podcast. <laughs> Um, and one of the things that I found online about you is a Reddit post. And it's a Reddit post on this subreddit called Lady Boner. <laughs> Bro, legit. I think you guys can go search it online. It's called Lady Boner. Oh, it's so many. Uh, and the title is uh, Zaro Bringing the Thickness. And the thickness is spelled as T-H-I-C-C-C-N-E-S-S-S. Thick. It's not thick. It's uh, thick. It's a very sexy pose of yeah. you lying down and band spreading. And yeah, it was in one of the old gym that I used to go to. Okay, okay. So everyone can do some Googling if you want a, a, a piece yeah, of Yeah, actually, Zaro. I'm surprised because my friend told me, right, Zaro, I think you should try and Google yourself. And I was like, oh, wow, there's more than just that. Like if you just go to the images, mm. there's a lot of other stuff. I mean, oh, yeah. no nudes or whatever, no leaked. Don't worry. I, I didn't realize that. But mm. this brings me to the first question I want to ask you about. Um, I am somewhat in the fitness industry. I'm not as front-facing as you are, mm-hmm. not as popular as you are. Um, not really, thank you. Um, would you say this is body shaming though? And um, the, the reason I say that is because you are, you are, you're a large person. And again, mm. I, I hesitate to say that because I think we are in a very PC kind of time today, right? What's PC? Politically correct mm. and everything can be deemed as, as I, wrong. So annoying, I hate that actually. Yeah, would it be offensive if someone said, hey bro, wow, but sir, bro, how do you feel about that? I mean, I worked for it. And obviously, I want people to say those things. Mm-hmm. I mean, as long as they don't shoot like, why, why do you go to the gym? I mean, I know you gym a lot, but you're still fat. That is different. The context is different already. Okay. But if you say like, dude, you're so big, can you just like teach me or something? That's fine. I'm okay with that. Okay. Because I got that a lot and I... I feel great about it, actually. Yeah. So you would say the context of the statement matters. La. If mm. someone just come out and say, oh, bizarre. And also the energy as well. What do you mean by energy? Like if he goes like, um, Bradley, I think too big. Hmm. Or, dude, you're too big. You know the energy. Yeah, yeah. The second one is so much better. Like, I'm surprised. I'm shocked. But the first one is like, uh, can you just not get any bigger? You get what I mean? Yeah, I would assume that the people saying that would be your family members or close friends. Is that true? Or uh, My family members are fine with it. I mean, most of my family members are big. We're kind of like, you know, plus size on the plus side. But uh, my friends are fine with it. I have much bigger friends and it's mostly those um, people on dating sites. Yeah. Okay, okay. They're just like, you're nice, you're this, you're that, but you're a bit too big. Oh, so you get you get the idea now, right? Yeah, yeah, dude. That that makes absolutely no sense. No sense because I mean, <laughs> if you want to be on a dating site, you probably haven't met the person in real life. Mm. Why were you being such a dick about it? I mean, there's a few times when I went out on a mm. date, all right, a few days before. Um, that person told me that I'm a bit too big for 
him. All right. And suddenly, when we hung out or whatever, yeah, you know, he he felt my energy. He knew what I was as a person. You know, he said, uh, you're funny, you're very bubbly and those kind of things. And they started liking me. And to me, that's a huge turn off because you told me that, oh, you're not my type. And suddenly you change your mind. And I don't like that. Yeah, I really don't like that. So it happened a few times. Yeah. That's one of the main topics I want to talk about today mm-hmm. because I feel that our community, and I say our community in a very broad sense of fitness, powerlifting, bodybuilding, it's a lot about improving ourselves, but it can come from a place of superficiality as well. Mm-hmm. And I struggle, I personally struggle with this because I think it is a good thing that we are working to improve ourselves, ultimately our health, but it is also, it is also quite damaging in the long run mentally if that becomes the be all and all reason we are doing this, right? I mean, I've been in the industry for a long time. Started when I was 14 years old and I'm 25 now. I think if you start late, let's say, I'm, I'm not saying it's late or whatever, but let's say if you start when you're 22 or 20 plus or whatever, you're still very new in the industry. You will have this kind of feeling. But if you start very early and you've been in the sports or industry for a long time, your mind starts to change. The focus starts to change. You don't have this, well, you still do have the, you know, vanity or whatever, superficiality. It's just not as bad because you have other things to think of. It's not just like, oh, um, let's say if someone new just started going to the gym or whatever, yeah. the focus is always to look good. Mm. But if you, I mean, versus someone who's been in the gym for a long time, they know how things work. It's not easy. It's not this and that. So the mindset will split. It's not just mm. into looking good, but there's other things as well. Yeah, you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Especially with your your background uh, mm. of um, uh, being a competitive um, athlete, right? Which, which brings me to what is supposed to be question one. Okay, so if someone comes and hit you up at a bar and asks you what you do, right? What would be, what would be your response? <laughs> in a bar. Uh, Maybe an elevator pitch someone like, hey man, what do you do? Am, am I tipsy or drunk? Or sober, <laughs> maybe after after <laughs> after one one drink. I one drink. That's fine. Um, I usually go to. I mean, I, I reply them like, uh, I'm studying at the same time. I'm juggling two jobs. Mm-hmm. Well, used to because of the MCO, but I would say the same thing anyway. Juggling two jobs, um, part times and everything, and yeah, just basically just trying to do things that I enjoy and trying to find new things. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm very chill and simple. Yeah. What are the two things that you do? What are the two things that you're doing now as a job juggling two jobs? Well, I'm still coaching. I mean, some of my clients are very fortunate. They have uh, home setups and whatnot. And my other thing is just like anything temporary work, like freelancers kind of stuff, because okay. uh, you can't be choosy at this kind of situation right now. I mean, unless if the person asks me like, oh, do you do any sports? Then I'll start to dive into the topic more. Yeah, because what do you do is very general. But some people actually come to me and ask me, like, do you do any sports, this and that? Do you go to the gym? And then I'll start elaborating. Okay. Yeah, I'll start uh, telling them more. Like, you know, I do strongman, I do powerlifting. It's been so many years of doing that and I enjoy it. Still okay. doing it, yeah. And you're not really, you're, you, you don't talk about this a lot, um, but Zaro is a strongman. And correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. You won Malaysia's strongest man a few times. Yeah. 
when did that begin when did that whole journey begin for you um it's a long story actually uh let's just say i live with my grandparents mm. since i was a kid so over the weekends my uncle would always bring me out and he happened to work with volvo truck company and mm. um, he got invited to come and watch the world's strongest man in 2002 i think it was held in bukit bintang and it was over the weekend and he brought me i was seven years old seven, seven years old at that point of time i had no idea on what was going on you know I've, i saw big guys i saw trucks being pulled um giant tires this kind of things so the journey started to begin from there not really that but that was like you know the idea behind everything and then i started doing rugby um, at 13 years old or so and i broke my wrist mm. um after two months of recovery the doctor well there were two doctors actually one told me to get surgery and install a metal plate another one told me to just start doing strength training and well i went to the gym i had no idea no guidance or whatnot so i just started doing my own things this and that pretty sure they were all wrong anyway and then one day i was just sitting on the bench you know they have flat screen tv on the wall mm. and they showed strongman and I had a massive flashback i was like i think i've seen these guys before like i swear i've seen them and then i went back home i went to see my late granny and i asked her like have i seen this show or people before and she was like yeah you did when you were young like very very young and that triggered the interest you know okay that sparked the interest and also at 14 years old i was training for like what three months or six months and i started lifting 200 kilos what and some what people i uh, did live that lived yeah, kg, 14. at 14 years old in six months training so i felt like um much stronger than anyone else around my age or maybe yeah. slightly older so i started going more and more and more that's how it started i guess okay okay so your your journey as a uh athlete began when you realized that you needed to work out to kind of fix your wrists yeah and from that humble beginning you became strongest man in malaysia yeah well, what's missing <laughs> in that story wait that's, that's, that, there needs to be some link okay so you started deadlifting 200 kgs yeah. did someone scout you to be like a strong man hey bro i think mm. you can win this competition not, not really it, it all came from within because um, at that point of time strongman piloting strength sports in general are not known even up till now it's not super famous but it's getting there yeah it's improving so when i was like 14 years old at that point of time 15 years old i felt like um everyone's doing bodybuilding everyone's focusing on looking good and i'm a kid and i enjoy doing things i mean when you play rugby you know you like to get smashed and smashing people on the field those kind of things you like something rough and aggressive extreme so i told myself like um why not i just go home and just watch some videos and see if i would like piloting or strongman and yeah i watched the videos whatnot learn everything on my own even up till now i'm still learning i fell in love with it fell in love with it and as i train and train continuously train i didn't see myself getting weaker I see myself getting stronger and stronger and stronger until the point where mm. I was 17 years old and I deadlifted 300 kilos. Yeah. And then I'm still going and still going. Yeah. Okay. So that that's really something that that really what do you call this um push me. 
Yeah. Okay. okay. I feel very driven. I hear I hear you say that it seems to me like you had three pillars of a competitive outlet when you were younger. Mm. You had um, rugby initially, mm. uh, which led you to also try out powerlifting, mm-hmm. and then ultimately also strongman. Right. Correct. Okay. What was the first biggest title you won in the strongman competition? Do you recall it? Um, yeah, I can recall almost everything. Um, when I was uh, 16 years old, yeah. that was my first strongman competition. So basically, I did a strongman competition before I do powerlifting. Mm. Yeah, uh, it wasn't Putrajaya actually. It was a small competition. I mean, it was a start of uh, all of the rest of the competitions out there. Um, I think if I recall correctly, there were like 60 athletes or so. So Malaysians or? Worldwide? Yeah, Malaysians. Malaysians. Yeah. And I had, uh, well, I made friends, yeah. Singaporeans. They came over to compete as well. Surprisingly for a little sprout, I was back then, 16 years old. I got third place out of 60 people. What was the age category for this competition? Um, 18 and above. Open and- open edge. Uh, and then the thing is, I actually asked them, can I compete? And they were like, you have, you need your uh, consent letter from your guardians. So I had to make consent letter as so well. Otherwise you wouldn't be able to yeah. compete in the 18 and above competition. Yeah. Correct. So correct me if I'm wrong, you were 16 mm-hmm. and then you had consent to compete in the 18 and above. Yeah. And once you did that, you got third place. Mm. What if? <laughs> and then a few months after that, I went to Singapore yeah. for a powerlifting competition. Well, I finished second um, because I was 16 and I was competing with the open 30, 40 year old yeah. guys. Or? And I didn't lose by much. So it was like, what, 10 kilos difference or whatever. So I felt like, you know, I'm just going to keep going. And after that, I think two weeks later, I went to Sabah for Sabah Strongest Man. That was, well, the events are grueling, much more events, tougher things to do. I finished seven. I still remember at that point of time, 16 years old, no money, this and that, expenses. And my friend's dad actually sponsored me for flights. Wow. I was very grateful. I went there, competed. Well, as a young kid, you're always like, you know, very eager and very hopeful. Mm-hmm. And you thought that you'd do super well. Until I finished seventh okay. out of like 25 people, I think. I went to the side and I cried, 16 years old. And I told myself, Next year, I get top five. And I got top five. Okay. Yeah. And then the, the biggest ones that I can recall was uh, Singapore Strongman. I went there. I think about 80 athletes, but you have to go through qualifiers. Okay. Mm-hmm. You'll, if you're in the top 10 finalists in the finals, uh, you get to go to the final round. Which is the same day or two days? Uh, no, it's about like a month or two oh, months. Got it, got They'll it. call you. But that's the thing. I went there, there were like 80 athletes or 70. They did it at the army camp. So it was huge, spacious and whatnot. A lot of competitors. First time I went there, I was sad, devastated as well. I got 23rd. Okay. And I told myself, I told myself again, once again, next year I get top 10 and I got top 10. Okay. And the next year I told myself again, I'll get top five. I got third. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So. It, like in whatever journey that you're doing, be it in sports or life or business or whatever, you, you got to have realistic goals, you know? You, you can't just like, this is my first time and I'm going to get first. You can get first if you're the only competitor, 
But other than that, you can't. So that's how it is, how it started. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, it sounds to me, when you say Singapore, you got Te and Sabah, you got um, the seven. Mm. Sabah one sounds a bit more challenging. Why is that? Um, a bit more challenging because um, we had eight events over two days. Okay. In Singapore, we only had like four uh, in one day. Okay. Yeah, so once we finish the four and then we're done, that's it. But the thing with um, having so many events, eight events in two days is you can be very strong. A lot of athletes are strong. I've met them. They're nice people. They're friends. When you come, I mean, when you're done with the first day, four events done, you might end up with like torn calluses, torn this and that, and you feel very wrecked. It feels like, you know, you just ran a marathon or what? I don't run marathons, so I don't really know. But as an example, general example, or you just got hit by a motorbike or something, a truck is too much. So the next day you wake up, you feel like, oh my God, I'm so wrecked. And you're going to do the same thing again. Yeah, and you have to do more things. So it all um, it all comes down to which athletes wants it badly. Okay, it's all about mind game after that. So it's beyond physical at that point. Yeah, day two. Can you definitely. A, can you paint a picture to um, what are the things that you actually do over the two three days? I I, I know a few. Uh, lock presses, mm. the stones. Um, yeah. What's the one that you put on your back? It's called yoke, right? Yoke yeah, yoke. carry. So we yeah. have, uh, usually in Sabah, I, I like Sabah's competition because they have a lot of writings. Uh, we have circus dumbbell, we have lock press, we have tire flip, tires that weigh around 420 kilos of 450, atlas stones from 120 to 170, I think, 180. So carrying a 180 kg stone. Yeah. And it's not as easy as deadlifting 180 kg. For sure, because yeah. I, I would assume that, hey, your hands need to be conditioned or rough to a certain point yeah. to carry that. Stone, mm. The stone's not going to be polished for you, right? Yeah. And then, uh, what do you call it? We have a uh, truck pull, um, Hercules hole. What's a Hercules hole? Um, basically, well, you have cable machines in the gym. Yeah. Just to visualize it easier. You know, if you grab, grab, and you do chest slides, right? That's yeah. chest slides. Yeah. But just imagine you're just holding side to side mm. and there's like, what, 200 plus 300 kilos on each side. So you have to hold it. Okay. Hence the hold. This reminds me of uh, like when- You know when- Spider-Man. Uh, yeah, yeah, Spider-Man. So trying to save that- um, Spider-Man. The train, right? The train, right? He wants to- Yeah, I think the it was train the train. Off or the maybe Samson. Have you heard of Samson? Yeah. yeah. Arnold, yeah. Mm. Yeah, we have plenty of events. Okay, that's the fun of it. Is it is it is there a lot of variety to it? Because I would assume that if that if it was a surprise for you, you cannot prepare for it, right? Mm, that's the thing. Some competitions they'll tell you, mm. um, maybe two months prior to that. Okay, we'll have this event, that event, but it is subjected to changes. I mean, up to the organizers. Mm. That's fine, but some events they don't really tell you. So Sorry. it's like a. Welcome and surprise, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. I prefer that actually. Serious? I prefer that because, okay. um, well, you can always guess because I, I've competed so many times and, you know, I've met the same organizers here yeah. and there. So I know what they're going to put in. Okay. If this organizers um, holding an event or a competition, I can roughly guess what he's going to put inside there because equipments are expensive. Mm. So if you want to buy new equipments, it doesn't make sense because, yeah, yeah. you know, I want to make profit as an organizer. So you, you can actually just guess. Okay. It's not okay. that hard. Yeah. What would you say is your favorite exercise though? In a favorite movement in any of those competitions? Any of the strongman options. One, com uh, one movement that I've never lost, which is my favorite, all-time favorite, anything that involves pressing things overhead, single arm, 
elbow arm. Okay. Yeah, I've never so a lock press would be one of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think my record in Singapore is still standing. No one's touching it. Oh, what is it? Um, yeah, they can't break it, so it's still mine. Uh, what what weight was it? If you I can. think it was like 155, 150. I can't remember. So it you, was a street press. You bring a lock. Uh, I suppose you got to bring a lock from yeah. the bottom mm. towards your collarbone and press it all the way up. Mm. Can you jerk it up? Can you use your legs to jump it up? You can. Yeah, you can use whatever you can. Okay. Split jerk, push jerk, not that jerk. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you, you can do anything as long as you get it above your head your feet are aligned elbows are locked it's okay good. you have to hold it for a certain duration yeah, as but, well um, I've had bad shoulders uh, since rugby so I can't really jerk the stability is very bad so I do a lot of street presses mm. yeah so most of the shoulder pre- uh, I mean shoulder presses are done without any leg movements even without jerking the weight up yeah, you strictly pressing it up. Yeah, my best was one hundred sixty. You're still holding the record yeah. amongst guys who need to kind of jerk and press it up. Yeah, I'm proud to be a Malaysian, bro. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for sharing oh, that. My pleasure. How how's exercise? How's ex- I keep using exercise, man. I know I know it's uh it's somewhat offensive to use the word exercise. No, that's how's fine. It's fine. Training for you these days. How's my training these days? Uh, well, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Things are hard, and I have to spice things up. I had to. I've been doing a lot of running as well. Once okay. every two to three days, I do a lot of sprintings because I felt like, you know, I'm, I'm getting a bit, I'm not getting any younger. I'm not going to say I'm old. I'm not getting any younger. And I feel like I need to mobilize myself and move more. I miss my rugby days. I, I still have my rugby boots, put them on, sprints. Okay. And then I do a lot of bodyweight stuff. Stability, not so much of uh, heavy lifting because there's no access to it. And I've been thinking of taking a break from powerlifting and strongman as well, just for maybe a year or two. You know, there's no competitions and I don't see any competitions coming up. Okay. So what's the point of putting a lot of stress in your body? Okay. Yeah, okay. So just chill for a while. What do you think that would mean for general strength? Though? Because my assumption would be that to maintain at a certain strength mm-hmm. level, uh, or at least to maintain somewhat competition ready, you would need to have some form of um, conditioning. You still mm-hmm. need to live some yeah. decently or decently enough intensity and mm-hmm. whatnot, right? How are you planning to kind of maintain that though? If powerlifting is not an option? Mm, it's pretty easy actually. Um, well, I've been in the sports for a long time, mm-hmm. obviously. So I know my, I know things and I have my ways. Um, well, muscle memory is a thing, thankfully, thank yeah. God. So if they call for a competition or whatever, it just takes me about two, three weeks to bounce okay. back. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. It's more, it's, it's not really about losing your strength. Well, you will lose your strength, but the hardest part of um, recovering those strength back is to get the movements right again. Okay. Technique. Yeah. Technique. If you, okay. Because your body feels like, it feels very odd, you know, if you've left it for a long time and then your body just doesn't get used to the movement. So it's better to just focus on the movement first and the strength will come back later. Okay, got yeah. it. So why do you think competitions and all that won't happen so soon though? Um, Closed door competitions, I assume smaller crowds. What do you think? Well, smaller crowds won't benefit the organizers. Okay. You know, if even people, this and that. Well, the more crowds they have, the better the profit, I guess. So if they don't have that, it's not going to happen. And also most of the, most of these events rely on sponsorships. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm pretty sure those sponsors are not doing super well as well. Okay. That they want to just like, you know, I give out some money for you to hold events. Huh? Okay. So it's not a, it has to make sense financially as well mm. to actually hold a It has to be a win-win situation. Okay. Yeah. For the sponsors, for the organizers and for the athletes. Right. Yeah. If one is missing, I think it's not a wise idea to run one. Which begs the question, um, mm -hmm. I suppose that's why a lot of people are arguing why is the Olympics even being held at this point, right? Um, yeah, but I suppose the show has to kind of go on. I mean, you have to understand. I mean, a lot of people, well, some agree to the, what do you call this, allowing the Olympics to happen, but you have to understand Japan invested so much. I, I forgot the amount, but how many billions just yeah. for this Olympic? Yeah. And even now when they're doing it, they're not making any money though. Because there's no for spectators sure, sure. or whatever it is and that. It's so sad for them. I feel sad for them. Imagine if Malaysia did invest that amount of money to do Olympics or SEA Games or whatnot, and mm. suddenly boom, pandemic and it's postponed is fine, but cancelled. Yeah. Because you know when they have crowds, when they have tourists come and watch and support the Olympics, that's the when economy. they earn money, yeah, yeah. To recover back whatever they invested. But now it's so sad for them. Yeah. yeah. I actually wonder if they would still kind of allow the 2024 Olympics to be held there though, in a way. I feel like that would make sense financially. Like, yeah. Otherwise, the country is going to be wrecked. Though. Unless if the economy bounces back, then it's fine. Yeah, everyone's uh, mm. banking on that to happen. Mm. Okay. Uh, thanks for sharing your history no in worries. the strongman world. Um, okay. So you are known. You're known as Zaro the Strongman. And... Mm -hmm. I think that is something that most people know you as. But I also see that you have a lot of talents outside of powerlifting, I gotta say. Uh, you draw, you sing, and you cook. Oh, I, th I, I, think I, I saw a video of you singing in is it an Instagram story or one of your posts. Yeah, I sing Chinese songs. Okay, okay. Yeah. Where where do you where does this come from? Where does this passion for? Um where does it come from? I think because uh I have a lot of Chinese friends mm -hmm. and I felt like I wanna learn Chinese. And my friend told me, maybe you can just start watching dramas. I mean, that's usually the jazz, the start of it. So I didn't really watch the dramas, but I started listening to Chinese songs. Okay. And I kind of liked it. And my friends told me that if you start singing, you can actually get the idea of the pronunciations, the tones or whatever. So mm. I started singing it and I enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah. I, I love a lot of songs and um, yeah. How's your Mandarin? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> What's this line? What's this line? Hawaii. Is that correct? <laughs> because I don't know why, because I look so Malay, but there's a few times when I was outside and then there's like this uncle, uh, auntie, like, <laughs> I'm sorry, no offense. And then I'm like, <laughs> and then she's like, oh, you Malay? I'm, yeah, yeah, auntie, sorry. I can't speak Chinese. Dude, you, you get mistaken for being a Chinese? Yeah, I don't know Chinese. I think I think certain angles you would actually resemble Chinese lah. To be really honest, man. yeah, yeah. I get a lot of. Uh, are you Sabahan? Okay, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, but a more exotic. Especially look. when I have um, piercings on, and then they'll they'll ask me that. Yeah. Okay, wait. The reason why I ask those is because I want to know where does this um, artistic sense come from, though. I mean, uh, stereotype. This is a mm -hmm. bad stereotype from me. I'm an it's asshole okay, for fine. saying this. It's alright. Um, but usually one doesn't relate or equate um, being a strong man, being a powerlifter with having the opposite spectrum of being mm -hmm. so sensitive. 
being someone who can sing and can cook and draw. It's just, it's just about balance. Okay. Like I have my rough side. I have my extreme side. I have a side where I just want to, you know, do things aggressively. And there are parts where when I'm down, when I'm having um, a tough time, I actually can only draw and paint when I'm down. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there was this one point when I had some, you know, problems. I was in front of my canvas, my easel for 12 hours. And I didn't realize that. I was just painting and painting and painting. It was 12 hours. Yeah, all I had with me was just a big glass of drinks and then just like paint and drink, painting. That's it. Okay, it's, okay. It's, um, it's part of expressing myself in a way because I don't have much friends. So I don't really like, hey, Brad, you know, I'm, I'm down. Isn't that? And sometimes I don't feel like telling people. Mm. So I express it. Yeah. Okay, okay. Would you say that powerlifting or strongman is also your way of expression? Mm, not quite. It's more of like me trying to climb and make it up there. You okay. get what I mean? Yeah. Okay. I mean, maybe you have your platform. You used to be a model, those kind of things, this and that. And different people have different platforms. I can't be a model unless if they have plus size, obviously I'm going to make it anyway. Um, yeah, there's no platform for me. And this is the only thing that I have. Powerlifting is strong, man. So people say like, oh, Za, why are you willing to do, I mean, go through pain and this and that, whatnot for this sport? And I'm like, if you understand me, if you have one platform and that's the only one you can excel in, you would do the same thing as I do. Okay. okay. Yeah. Unless if like maybe five, five years down the road, I have um, a business or whatever, then I'm probably going to focus on that. But for now, whatever I have, I'm just going to do it. That's why I always tell my friends, like, you know, some of them, like you know feel sad because they don't have any platforms and they always say oh i'm, I'm only like studying at home reading this and that you you gotta like uh, what do you call this uh improvise that or make it better if that's the only platform that you have which is studying just be the best student i guess okay, okay. yeah if you feel like you like reading maybe you can write your own book or start something small this and that blogs or something yeah but do you think everyone should indulge in that competitive drive though um, I do believe not everyone is competitive. Some people mm. are, I won't say complacent. That's kind of offensive in a way, but they just like the way they are right now. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with that because like, it, it may have started very early for me, but the spark might start later for some of them. And there's okay. nothing wrong with that. Like, you know, KFC, uh, what, Connor Sanders, it's he got late. the idea very late. He was like, what, 60, 70 plus? And there's nothing wrong with that. Just because you start early, I, this is um, an advice from me. Just because you start early doesn't mean you're going to be better than everyone else. Yeah. Well, why do you say that? You started way earlier than most people. In yeah, I started way earlier, but the learning curve was so slow at start hmm. because I didn't understand anything. To the point where I started, you know, getting, uh, I got injured and this and that, um, trying to get better. And it kind of like made me think, what is the wrong? Because I kept thinking of the rights that I've been doing. Okay. But what made me hurt? What caused the injury? And then at that point, I started to understand. I rested and I got so much stronger, faster. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The, the reason why I bring that up is because it's something I do want to cover with you as well because you are obviously a world-class athlete. <clears throat> oh, no. 
dude, for no, sure, yeah. bro. No. Are you are okay, would you say your top top three hundred strongest person in the world? Uh last check was eighty plus. Bro, how is that not <laughs> how is that not like world class? Like, come on. Your modesty bring out of the room. Um the reason why I ask that is because I have been personally struggling with the idea of focusing on the process mm-hmm. versus focusing on the outcome. The, the thing, the example I would give is, um, of course, when someone first started lifting, for me, for example, was to look good, build your body, get attention. And that is that is a good motivator <laughs> in a way. I, wouldn't, I would say that is important as a motivator to begin mm. with. But if that continues being my drive at 25, at 30, at 35, right? Isn't that dangerous? Is it still is? To a certain point, I think it's lesser. Lesser. But I think that... Yeah, your hair is very messy, so I can tell it's lesser. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I didn't even bother. Microphone is complaining <laughs> about it. Uh. Yeah, so I should comb it. Um, it is. It can be dangerous. Yeah. Or it can be very... Um, what is What do you call this? Uh, as a motivation. Uh, what do you call it? A, a fire within. Okay. A, a drive for you. One is... Um, well, let's be honest. Some of us out there, mm. including me, we are not born super good looking. Okay? This this going to hurt everyone. I know everyone is beautiful. I'm not saying that. This and that. But let's be honest. There's a reason why celebrities are celebrities. Because they have the values. Okay. Models are models because they have the values. Like athletes, because they have the athletic values. So not everyone is catered for that. And what I'm trying to say is, because you say like, you, you want to look good, you want attention, this and that. At, at the end of the day, because I used to have this feeling as well, at the end of the day, you have to, Tell yourself, yes, you can get attention, but not as much as these people do. So you have to calm yourself down before you kill yourself. You know what I mean? No offense, but it, it, it screws the mind, you know, when you like, I want this, I want this, I want, I want to look good. My skin is bad, this and that, this and that. You can take care as much as you want, but if it, if it's not meant to be for you, it's not meant to be for you. Okay. Like, let's say if we're talking about like Brad and me as an example in a parallel world, he's definitely better looking than me. Only, Thank you. Only like... Uh, a group of people would find a bigger bigger man like me attractive and he's not. But the majority would say he's better looking than I do and there's nothing wrong with that. That is the fact and the society is just like that. So one way or another, try not to get consumed by these ideas of I need to uh, look super good, I need to this and that. Of, of course, you have to like groom yourself but not to the point where you get so stressed and affected by it. Yeah. understand but with, with lifting for example right mm-hmm. i realize these days my feel the reason i lift uh is a little bit more because i enjoy it mm-hmm. and i will assume 100 percent, being a world-class athlete you have to kind of enjoy what you do squat deadlift bench press uh, stop using world-class athlete bro <laughs> you you can you can try to lift <laughs> me up and say i'm good looking i can use the word i can use the word world-class on you. all right you the question was the question was like fuel yeah yeah feel Process, right? It's, it's equally important that I enjoy what I do. I, I, literally, I really, the only exercise I'm doing now is basically push-ups, incline push-ups, uh, chin-ups at the park, various different grips, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And even though it's not a complete gym setting, I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, and I really don't give a damn about ultimately whether or not my lats grow, my pecs get bigger or not. And I think I've reached a certain point where I'm a bit more zen about it. Mm-hmm. Mm. It comes with the age, actually. I suppose. That's why I said. That's why I said. Like, um, if you start super young or you start middle age or whatever, then it's all different. It's all different. Goals are different as well. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. Are you pressured now? Though? Are you, do you have any pressure to want to maintain that this state of yours, this world class state of yours, world class, world class, world class? Uh, not <laughs> shut up. Uh, well, uh, I think prior to this recording, I actually told him that I want to take a break, like about a year or two years or whatnot. Just want to focus on you know trying to lean down a bit, try to be healthier. Because I've never been below 100 kilos in my life. Never been. Because when I was 12, I was like 78 kilos. And then after that, when I hit puberty at 13, I was 108. So I've never been below that since 12 years ago. So I'm very excited. I mean, very keen to see or, you know, I'm very curious on how I look like. Okay, if okay. I'm much leaner or much lighter. And plus the okay. fact that I've been training for so long, so I have a lot of muscle base. So I want to look. I want to see what how it looked like, and yeah, coming back to your what you mentioned just now, you know, you enjoy more doing you know bodyweight stuff now this and that because we've been so stuck in the gym for many many years that simple new things, not really Good new point. but simple things actually makes us feel better. Like when I did push ups, right, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and also because the situation right now, because we really can't do anything about it and we tend to appreciate the least or the smallest things. Yeah. That's, that's, um, I suppose it comes with age. Mm, yeah. And I think that you might experience it four years down the road since you're four mm -hmm. years younger than me. So who knows? Maybe we'll have a very different conversation or a very mm -hmm. different uh, outlook on things when you reach my old man age, bro. Um, I, you, you mentioned the word healthy. Yes, correct. When, and you say you want to be healthier. Mm -hmm. You're a world-class athlete. Why do you not relate healthy to what you're doing? Well, first thing first, being my weight is not healthy at all. Being overweight... You're 110, is it? 115? Uh, 115. But okay. in my competition state, I'll be around 130, 140 sometimes. Okay. So that's not healthy. And that's why if you see even like top athletes out there, they're only at this size or let's say competition size during competitions. Like outside of competitions, they don't they don't stay that big because a lot of risk this and okay. that and whatnot. So off season they're lighter, you would say. Mm, much lighter. Okay. And yeah. Since I don't have anything to do right now, I don't need to use my strength so much, isn't it? I might as well just try to lose and get better. Okay. okay. As a whole. What would that do to your strength though? The reason I ask is because I would assume that lower body fat mm. or lighter weight or being healthier would mean somewhat better endurance or improved improved endurance in a way. Mm. Uh, would you say so? Yeah, yes, correct. And would that have any carryover to competition when you want to go back though? There's always pros and cons okay. when you lose and you gain something. There's a lot of powerlifters and strongmen out there that are lean and strong. So when people say you need to be super chunky and big to be strong, it's actually, that's not right anymore. That's not right. We don't live in those ages anymore. You can be both big and strong. It's kind of fun because, you know, it's nice being big, but but for some people, they just want to stay lean and strong and there's nothing wrong with that. And there are people out there who are world-class and much, much way, way stronger than me. I look up to them and they are lean and strong. Okay. So that's something that I want to try and achieve. So below 100 would be your short-term, mid-term goal? Uh? Uh, yeah, for now, 100. Okay. Yeah. Would you would you get back up, get your weight back up though, once you go back to a competition on season? Probably phase. gonna go to 110 okay. or 15. 
still within that control area and they want to shoot so much, yeah. So I, I do want to segue to asking you, right, about health. Um, what advice would you give though for a general Malaysian to be healthy? Because most people watching this, I assume, are not uh, entrenched so much into the fitness world like you and mm-hmm. I. What would you? What advice would you give the general Malaysian on being healthy? Advice. Mm. I can't bring anything right now. <laughs> okay. So what? What kind of? What kind of? What kind of people seek your coaching service? I'm just curious. What kind of people? Um, yeah. Well, mostly lifters. I would say eighty to ninety percent lifters. They've done some sort of lifting in their life or whatever. Mm. But I have athletes outside uh, lifting as well. I have athletes uh, doing other sports as well. Uh, and I have people who just want to generally want to lose weight okay. or gain weight and those kind of things. And it's pretty easy actually. Yeah. Would you say, what would you say to someone who says, uh, and this is something that some of my friends in the industry as well have always said that being a strong man or being an extreme powerlifter mm-hmm. is not healthy. What What do you say to that? There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, everyone is, uh, has their own opinion. And I would say myself, it's it's not healthy to do, you know, putting a lot of pressure on your body, like powerlifting. You, you put a lot of pressure on your body, but not knowing that you're actually pressuring your heart as well, your organs, this and that. Okay. It, it strengthens them, but at the same time, it puts a lot of stress. It's okay. good that it strengthens them mm. if you get enough rest. But if you don't get enough rest, that's why you have you, t- you have the tendency of, you know, like get get hurt, you know, from within. Yeah. I mean, there's very rare cases, like, but it happens. It does happen. For example, like I have a chiro friend who I've told that, hey, I have this guy who, uh, show, I showed the video of you that lifting 300 for mm. six reps on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, oh my God, what kind of damage is that going to do to his spine? Yeah. Like those are the common comments that people give um, to the sport. That's okay. I'm not saying that your friends are not good or whatever because I have my physicians and he's a specialist and whatnot. Yeah. And he lives. He do he does powerlifting, he does bodybuilding, used to do. Um from my point of view, right, it is damaging for people who don't live. Okay. You get what I mean? Because my body has gone through sessions and sessions and sessions and sessions that it adapts to this. But for someone, let's say, who's never been to the gym and I ask, like, can you just like pull that one? It won't, the weights won't even leave the floor, but the spine will leave your body. Why? Because you're not built for that. There's a reason why you have to, you know, train for it years and years to be good at that. So you want your muscles and your skeletal system to kind of grow strong together. Yeah, correct. I think people always use this one outlier example and I'm going to use it because um, it's it's a legend, right? Ronnie Mm -hmm. Coleman. He's gone through, he's, he won eight Mr. Olympias and you see videos of him in his mm. prime squatting damn heavy. Mm-hmm. I think there was an 800 pounds yeah, for, yeah, for multiple reps. Yeah. And right now he's on a wheelchair. Mm. And the argument would be, of course, lifting easy to kind of miscontrol to that conclusion that lifting mm. heavy is bad for the body. Yeah. But ultimately, as you said, right, you've got to kind of work up to it. Like, and maybe mm. at that point, Ronnie Coleman's muscle, which is which we can argue is uh, unnatural, mm. is carrying a lot of the load, which the spine and the back and the joints are not able to kind of handle in the long run. That's correct. I mean, uh, when you start using these unnatural things, um, yeah. you know, unnatural. Uh, yeah, enhances or whatever. I'm going to be blunt about it. Um, yeah, the rate of your muscles getting stronger and bigger is way faster than how your tendons and ligaments can adapt to it. Mm. 
So that's what happened. Lah. And another thing that I want to say, right, because a lot of people say when you do sports, when you get old, your knees will hurt, your joints will hurt your back, this and that. Let's let's just be honest. No offense to anyone up there, but let's just look at our aunties, our uncles, our grandparents. And do they do sports back then? But they are in pain also, right? Good point. Yep. That's what I always tell. Because you it's it's up to you. What whatever you want to do, it's just up to you. Because at the end of the day, everyone will go. And before you go, you will go through pain. Okay, okay. Yeah, my, my I mean, my late granny didn't do any sports, but she had knee pain, this pain, and that pain. But no one ever like say, you didn't do sports, but you got pain also. Correct or not? But when we do something, when we do, when we did sports, when we were younger and then we get older, uh, that's why I tell you, you hurt your knees because you do sports last time. I see, I see. So it's always the same thing, like let's say as an example, right? This is a bit sensitive. We're talking about PEDs, performance enhancers, drugs, or mm. whatever, Ronnie Coleman, this and that. In in a year, if I remember correctly, I think two, three years ago, I was just reading an article. Like maybe uh roughly less than 10 people in this world die from steroids. Mm. Or related. Okay? Okay. Related. Uh it's not really hundred percent because of steroids, but related. Okay. And most of them are heart attack. Okay. And everyone argue about it. They hate on that, this and that. Steroids are bad, this and that. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not advocating steroids, okay? But how many people in this world yearly die from heart attack without steroids? Okay, got it, got it. Hundreds and thousands of people, but no one bats an eye. But when a person uses something else outside of the box or outside of the, the norm and suddenly die from it, everyone's like, start to attack that. You notice or not? Yeah. The rich piano issue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, what's the guy? Ziz. Yeah, well. this, this and that. It's hard to say exactly that, hey, steroids is the reason why mm. one gets heart attack. That's why they and always say it related. They don't say it, like, it. because of that. Got it, got it. Okay, thank you for going there. I think that's yeah. a very interesting uh, yeah. aspect that most people don't know about. Okay, I'm going to jump into another topic that uh, is a little bit different from what we've been talking about mm -hmm. so far. And... Okay, I've been thinking about the reason why this podcast exists, right? Mentors mm -hmm. Among Us. And it's so it's still something I'm trying to figure out. Like, I'm really not sure where the direction of this is supposed to be. And I'm okay with that. But I feel like the reason why I'm kind of compelled to do this because I'm kind of seeking advice, mm -hmm. seeking opinions. I'm, I'm keen to have conversations with people who are willing to go a bit deeper. And share things. And share experience. Things. And you've been very candid and open about um, your childhood without your parents. Mm. So your parents passed on uh, when you were about two or three years old, yeah, right? Two, you mentioned. Two years old. So, and I think you mentioned this earlier, but I'm curious to know who do you think, who do you look up to at that age where formative ages when you need someone to look up to? Um, well, it it has it has always been my late granny. Mm -hmm. She was my mom and my my dad. I mean, my aunt takes care of me as well now. But it, it was always uh, it has always been my granny, like even though she was always busy because I mean, at that age or whatever, you shouldn't have, like when my parents passed away, I think my granny was like coming towards 50 years old. Mm. And at that point of time, someone that age would think of, ah, I'm thinking of my retirement, those kind of things, but not for her. Because she had to take care of us. If there's no income, there's no way she can raise us. You know what I mean? Yeah. So she wakes up at 4 to 5 a.m. I remember when I was like, you know, in uh, what do you call this primary school i remember you know like 
I can hear rustling in the morning because she's like, you know, looking for clothes, this and that, because she needs to go to work, this and that. Yeah. What was she working as? Um, well, my family, my whole family, we cook. Okay. We cook, yeah. Um, she runs canteens. I mean, my auntie runs it now, canteens and cafeterias. So my life have have been revolved around food. Foods. Yeah, exactly. That's why I mean, that's how I get big, I guess. But yeah, I mean, she have always been my idol. Someone I look up to, someone I hold on to very closely. And even up till now, when she's no longer around, I just feel, you know, at times when, I th- when I'm facing something, uh, a hard patch in my life or whatever, whenever I think of her, it does make things lighter. It okay. does make things a bit better. I mean, it gets very emotional, but it gets me through. Okay. Yeah. Okay. How are you dealing with it though? How have you been dealing with it? Because I, I recall that it happened also very early in the pandemic stage, right? Uh, when she passed? Yeah. Um, November 15, 2019. It was before. Yeah. Right. Okay. Because uh, lockdown started on 18th of March, 2020. Because I got stuck in Penang. Oh, Because okay. I went to Penang on the 17th of March, 2020. The next day was a lockdown for the whole country. So I couldn't go back. I was there for like two two months or three Paradise, months. Paradise, bro. Um, not really. Because I didn't have anything to do. And I was very, very... Um, what do you call this? A very, very pious Because I stayed in my friend's place for two or three months. I mean, I did pay for groceries and that. But it's just not nice, you know. And... Um, okay. Yeah, thank you, BK, for letting me stay at your place. Yeah, um, coming back to my granny, um, it's been almost two years. Uh, it was tough for me because um, if I were to share it with you guys, this was the whole story that happened. Um, uh, what do you call this? On Monday, she passed away on Friday. So I went on Monday. We went to the hospital on Monday. And the doctor actually told her that, you know, her kidneys are not doing well and there's like, what, 15% or 20% functions left. And yeah. maybe in no time, she'll need to get dialysis done. Yeah. And at that point of time, I could tell that she's very tired. She She's not her anymore. She's like, you know, she when we were eating, she was sleeping, this and that. And then move on. Um, every day she felt tired, this and that. And then on Friday... On Friday, I had a physiotherapy appointment mm. in the morning. So I went there in the morning and then I called her. Once I was done with the therapy, I called her. Do you want to eat anything? And she said, she don't want to eat anything. And I bought her some food. I bought her some like uh, tofu and stuff like that. And I went home. I went home and I was like, she was sitting by the bedside. Okay, Keep in mind, this was like around 12 or 1 p.m. at that in the afternoon. And then I told her, eat this. And yeah. she didn't want to eat it. And I was like, I took a pinch. I fed her. And she still refused, but then she took my bite. And the most heartbreaking part was, that was her last meal. Because an hour later, she passed away without us realizing. It was just me, my two cousins at home. Uh, one was five years old and the other was like 12. And then my mate. So they didn't know what to do. And I was I was in the Red Crescent before. Mm. I was the president of Red Crescent in my school before. Yeah. So I know how to deal with these things and whatnot. And actually, in her lifetime, she choked about three to four times in life. Like passed out, kind of choking, you know. Because she didn't have much teeth and chewing was hard, this and that. And 
I did the Heimlich thing and then she survived. But that 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 day, that afternoon, uh, my mate called me, and I was like, I, I check her, mm. you know, touch everyone, this and that, and I grab her wrist, and I immediately get some sugar and everything because she's diabetic. So I suspected that she passed because of a uh, hypo, right? So I tried to see, but then uh, I resuscitated her for about 40 minutes. I mean, I learned the basics in 15 or 20 minutes. Mm. If the person is still not recovered, that's it. Or even if he or she recovers, there's a lot of complications, like because blood starts to clot and those kind of things. So it was like, it was just me, you know, trying to do things. Yeah, because yeah. I told my mate to call my auntie this and that, this and that, just inform everyone. Yeah, and my my auntie was in Penang at that point. She was driving back home, and then my other uncle was working because she does uh, he does logistic, so he was driving from Johor. So there wasn't a lot of people like um, adults because yes, uh, yeah, so I had to handle it, resuscitate it for forty minutes. That was that was tough. That was something that I will never forget. And out of all my family members. I get to experience it. And when my late grandfather passed away as well, I was there by the bedside. Yeah, he had cancer okay. when I was 12. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's part of it is very painful, but if you look at it the other way around, it can somehow, you know, give you an idea of what life really is, you know? It can drive you or just break you so badly. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I'm yeah, no worries. Sorry to kind of... No, it's okay. It's okay. You. it's okay. But one thing that, that spurred me to want to ask this next question would mm. be, um, how would you go about handling grief? And the reason why I asked that to paint a picture, right, is um, I'm dealing with a dad who has cancer as well. Sorry, so I think it's, it's stage three. I think the survival rate for five years or two years. How old is he? 58, 50 57. So... I think that we were given a 2% survival, 5% survival for the next five years. Uh. Um, I mean, every time I talk about this, there's going to be some tremble coming mm, from my voice. Understand. As much as I'm trying to hide it, that um, it doesn't affect me. It does. Uh. And I know that not a lot of advice or not any advice can help me prepare for it. Mm -hmm. But I'm just curious how you would deal with, how you recommend someone deal with grief or death. How I handled it. Well, my close friends uh, witnessed it. I was in a bad position for God knows how long. I started pushing everyone away from me. That's just how my body um, defends itself. So I just push everyone away. Just keep like one, two friends close. But still, I don't really talk to people. The best way to do it, what to me, honestly, how I deal with it is whatever feeling that I'm feeling right now, let's say if I feel happy, I'll go 100%. No, I'll go 1000% happy. If I feel very sad right now, I'll go 1000% sad. You know, I don't hold it in. I don't mm -hmm. hold it in. I, I do believe like, you know, whatever whatever emotions that you're feeling right now, you have to feel it like, like super feel it. You so don't repress it. Huh? Yeah, don't, don't, don't try to be strong. Don't try to be, let's see if you're a fun person, don't try to be a dull person. If you're a dull person, don't try to be a fun person. You go, I mean, 
Yeah, if you want to f- smile, you, if you force yourself not to smile, it feels very odd. It feels like cramping, you know. So it feels more painful. Yeah, and to me, I like to let things out. If I like someone, I'll tell them. If I feel sad, I'll just cry. If I this and that, I'll just do it. Because at the end of the day, right, the faster you can get rid of these emotions, the faster other emotions can come back. You get what okay. I mean? It's, it's like a cycle. Sadness comes in, it goes out, and then happiness comes in. This, yeah, okay. nothing okay. stays. The thing about sadness, happiness, feeling boredom or whatever, they don't stay. One second you are happy, the other second you're sad. And next thing you know, you're happy again and suddenly you're bored. And suddenly you feel this and then you feel that. Okay. It changes. So nothing stays. And But I don't know. It's It's just you have to accept you know, whatever that's going to leave you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's easy for me to say, but I've experienced the loss of my parents when I was two years old. My grandfather when I was 12, my granny when I was 24. Yeah. It's, it's something that I'll never forget. And I wish, honestly, I wish, right, with all these sadness and emotions, I'd rather die young than hmm. carrying it. Like, can you just imagine I'm 60 years old. Let's say one day I'm 60 and I'm sitting by my, my chair and I'm thinking like, this is when my granny passed away. This is when my... It's so painful, right? To think about it. It's very painful. Like when I sit down, let's say if I'm 40 years old, 50 years old, 60 years old, just sit down like, oh, I remember my granny used to be like this. She used to cook this for me. It's so painful. It's so painful to think about it. It's very sweet to reminisce these things. Yeah. But the fact that she's not there. Wouldn't you have built up, I suppose, hopefully by then, right? Other pillars mm-hmm. in your life which can kind of, I wouldn't say fill that void, but also act as other support pillars like, for you. It's just, uh, you know, when you see these things, right? It's the same thing as, you know, like let's say when you break up, oh, you'll find someone better. No, you'll never find someone better. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. I don't like that phrase. you find someone different. Yes, because everyone is unique and everyone have different ways of pouring their love, different ways of showing things, different ways of being mad at you, this and that. So there's no better, there's no lesser. Okay, everyone is okay. just different. It's just a, a piece of puzzle that fits. Okay. If it doesn't fit you, it'll never fit you. So the same as, let's say, if, uh, if I have someone one day, you'll never recover my granny. The memory of my granny is still there. Got it. Got yeah, it. that's someone... I'll make memory with him or her. But with my granny, with my family members or with whoever that I used to be close with that have left before me, it will never change. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Got it. Thanks for that. No worries. Thanks for that um, sharing. I think that's very responsible because when I hear you say that you should experience um, sadness, Mm. uh, happiness, boredom, whatever it is fully, right? It goes against what people would Let's say if I'm sad, for example, someone will come and say, oh, it's okay, bro, it's okay, it's fine, things will be okay, things will be okay. You don't want to hear that when you're in the pits of despair. <laughs> exactly. Right? No, no one wants to hear be, it. It's not going to be okay. This is all dramas and cliche shit. I don't like to hear that. I mean, like, whenever I'm sad, right, my, my best friend Aras, okay, I usually, if I feel very shy, if, if I don't feel like talking, I'll just text him. I'm like, can I have a hug? Mm. Yeah, because I'm sad. Or maybe if he's in front of me, I just, like, open up. And he's like, oh, he knows I'm saying. When we hug, he's like, what's wrong? So you, you need these kind of people, you know? They, you don't need to explain yourself and then you know. Because sometimes we don't want to hear words, you know? We just want an embrace. 
you know, to be embraced, to be held, to feel that, you know, we are someone and there's someone for us as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. not necessarily like a wife or couples or whatever, but just someone to be there for you. And we don't need men up, bro, this and that, this and that. Oh, you don't want to hear those things, you know. Oh, come on. You know, I think that's very important coming from you, you know. Yeah. Um, I said this, right? I think I mentioned in the email or the text I sent you. I think you're a very good representative for the sport. Not because... Not because you're world-class, which you obviously are. I'm going to count the number of times I use the word world-class in this podcast. But because you are world-class, again, plus one, but you also you also embody the fact that, hey, you are in touch with your emotions. Mm-hmm. You are brave enough to admit them. You're brave enough to know that no matter how heavy you lift, you cannot bypass those emotions. Sure. I think that's much healthier for someone to handle emotionally and mentally. So I just want to applaud you for what you've just shared. I think that's important. If not for anyone, for me to hear. So thanks for that. Like Um, even for me, let's see if I have a competition or whatever. And I tell myself, if I win this, I'll reward myself. It doesn't have to be like the greatest, the the most expensive, the biggest prizes or whatever. I will go to like sushi place or whatever this and that. And I'll spend like 200 worth of money. And there's a lot of sushi, you know. And I always go to the cheap, cheap places and I get like a, trays of trays of sushi just to reward myself okay it's those kind of things or if i feel like oh maybe i should go out and drink i just go drink whatever that crosses your mind right sometimes you just have to do it you don't have to like should i should i should i that's why when he texted me right i was like i have nothing to do so there's no harm on me joining him for a podcast i've done it before yeah was there a lot of resistance to coming here um not quite it's just that i had some things to do prior to that and after that i was like who who am i lying i don't have anything to do during mco okay, okay. <laughs> i very much appreciate you being yeah. here and i'm pretty sure people watching this or listening to this yeah. are as well um i want to go into your you mentioned this in one of your podcasts right i like the fact that you mentioned that you're a coach to a lot of your coaches, your athletes. Mm-hmm. And you're not just a coach that tells them, hey, bro, this is uh, this week, this block is three sets or 50 yeah. or whatever it is. You mentioned that you also embrace the role of being a shoulder to lean on for them. Yeah, correct. Yeah. I want you to talk a little bit about that because I think that's something that most people don't see in a coach, you know? Mm. I mean, when I was in rugby, I used to have, I mean, a few coaches as well. And I don't see them as coaches alone drill sergeants they're like friends okay you know if you feel it's just like you know like how do i say this if let's say if something very basic if you make a friend out of a teacher Mm. you don't feel so shy to ask excuse me miss what is this excuse me ma'am what is this but if you feel like she is a teacher just that in that position you'll feel like very hesitant to ask questions this and that so you get what i mean like I always tell my clients, right? Drop the formalities. Drop, I am your coach and also I'm a friend. I want you to feel comfortable when you, we discuss things, this and that. Because like, you know, if we're just basically like coaches and clients, sometimes when I advise and it might sound very harsh or whatever, and they might not take it well. But if we are friends, let me be frank. And they get it. You get what I mean? Mm. Yeah, if, if, if it's just like super professional, they might get offended. But if you know that, okay, look, he is a coach and he is also a friend and a friend that wants you to get stronger as well. 
And there's nothing wrong with that. And I do have clients who have uh, gone through hard times or whatever, and they would talk to me. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not paid to listen to those things, but this is just my nature. Mm. I love talking to people. I mean, I do Q&A almost every day. I love talking to people. What do you mean? Yeah. It's this kind of thing. It's just part of me. I mean, yeah, a big portion of me is just, just enjoy doing those things. And Dude, I also, one thing that I texted you, one thing that, one thing that I texted you about and is something that I really admire. I, I told you that it kind of brought some tears to my eyes when I heard you share that in, mm-hmm. um, I think it's Zilfit's podcast, mm-hmm. um, what you were doing and what you're contributing to uh, a bunch of senior citizens. Yeah. Can you share with me what you were doing um, with that organization though? It was a quick thing. It was like over the weekend kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But most of the time was like, you know, because I, I, at that point, my granny was still around. Okay. Okay. She was still around and I always think to myself, right? She has me. Well, at that point of time, of course, when she was around, she had my auntie, my brother, family. Mm. But these kind of people, they don't. So why can't I just be there for this moment before I go back home and just forget everything? You get what I mean? I might forget that moment, but for them, if they're still around, maybe they might still remember me. This like, is this an old folks home or? Whatever, it's whatever. Like, because uh, my late granny's sister as well used to stay in old folks home. Yeah. I mean, this was not an event or whatever for this one. Okay. But when we go visit her, it was just like me and my uncle, my auntie. It's just like two of us send foods or whatever. And then I'll talk to her. And then you can, you can tell, you know, all these old people, be doesn't matter the race like you know but they you know they're all and they just wanted someone to talk to mm. because when they see me like when i come or any visitors that come they just look at them like you know you can tell like you know they want to talk i mean they're human as well they're, they're old but they want to talk i mean doesn't matter if they're they have problem complications or whatever they we all need to talk. It's the eager for connection. Yeah. Right? That's what you're feeling. Like, I always imagine myself like, what if I'm 60 years old, I don't have anyone and I just see someone, I just want to talk to them. That's a recurring fear that you've been sharing about. Yeah. Okay. I, that's that's why I like, to me, I don't want to live for so long. Okay. And I just want to live until it's enough. Okay. That's why I feel. And yeah, it, 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 it gets me emotional when I see like old people and whatnot. Listen that. And um, in my neighborhood, there was this uncle. I mean, he's still around, I think. He was in a wheelchair. Mm. I was like, what, 14, 15 years old? I'm not bragging, okay? But this is what I did always, all the time, almost all the time. I was on the way for my rugby training or whatnot. And then I I was uh, passing by the giant supermarket nearby my house. And I saw him. And there's actually a slope. It's not super sharp, but... Can you just imagine an old uncle, an old Indian uncle on a wheelchair trying to, you know, thrive himself yeah. up? And I noticed a lot of people just watch. I don't know the thing about Malaysians. Huh? Well, we have good people. We have nice people as well. I love Malaysians, of course. But some of them really just like to watch. They just like to watch. So I just, I felt like, because I was a kid, I was like 14 years old, 15 years old. I was like, should I do it? Because I felt paise, ma. Right, I felt very paise. When when you, I don't get it why people feel this way. I feel this way as well. When we want to do something, we feel very shy. We feel like this and that. Nah, I, I did it. 
And I pushed him from the supermarket all the way up to to his house. Took me about 10-15 minutes. Mm. He cried. Okay, he said like, you know, like that there's people that that has helped him, but also he he doesn't want people to help him. Cause he felt like, you know, he's a burden, this and that, those kind of things. It's sad. Uh, I mean, it, it touched my heart and makes me feel just like, you know, we, we take things for granted sometimes, you know? Yeah. There's, there's this side of you that I feel has been um, surfacing as we talk, right? I think you're, you're a man of service. Yeah. I mean, like to me, right? Once you've lost so many people in your life, right? You, you, you kind of, you, you tend to have this, the, the feelings that I have right now with me, man of service or whatever people call it. That's why for those, I mean, I know of some friends who have never experienced any losses and they won't understand. Yeah. But once you have experienced great losses in your life, especially your loved ones, then you'll understand. Right. Do you see, do you see, I suppose this is a very broad future question, right? Mm. Um, and I would wish for you to do strongman till you're 50, mm. 40, 50. And as you, I think you mentioned somewhere that the prime of strongman can easily be up to like 40s even. Mm, 40s. Yeah. But what would you say is another path that you want to explore? I mean, I want to start my own business. I mean, I don't have any ideas yet. And also it's not a wise idea to start a business now because of the pandemic. But I do want to, you know, try out having my own, running my own business and this and that. And then, yeah, I have my goals, but I don't really like to share goals. Okay, why? Yeah, I don't like, because it's like, I don't know. To me, if I share the goals with too many people, it loses its value. And you start, you uh, you slow down or maybe you stop working towards it. That's what I feel. Okay, okay, that's yeah. a good point. I think when you do share a goal and make it public, it feels like you're halfway there in a way, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And also you're making a statement that, oh, well, you didn't say it. it's a goal. A goal is a goal. A dream is a dream, right? But still people would think, hey, I thought you said a few years ago you wanted to do this and that, but then you never do. It's kind of annoying, you know, when people say this. Let people do whatever they want to do in their life is. Got it, got it. <laughs> okay, dude, I've taken up so much of your time. No um, I'm going to try to wrap Enjoy. up with some rapid fire questions. Mm -hmm. If you can have a billboard placed in the busiest street in KL, Oh my God. By Mr. Zaro, Baby Ox, Alfian. What would it say? What would I say? What would I write it? Is it? Mm. If I were to choose right, um, I like this simple line. It, it says, be great. Okay. It's actually by Brian Shaw, um, Four Times World's Strongest Man. I like that line. It's so simple, but then it's, it's packed with a lot of messages. You see? And he's, one of his favorite lines of like, um, Adversity mm. forces growth. But I'm obviously if I have a billboard, I'm not gonna put like quote or whatever. Like, I'm probably gonna put my name to, <laughs> for coaching, look up for me or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> this kind of things. But if I have a billboard, I'll put something. I'll put images. I, I won't put quotes or whatever. Okay, okay. I'll put images that would um, intrigue someone's happiness, trigger the happiness of someone and just make their days better. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we don't like, sometimes we see words, we don't read, hello, but we see image, we capture it immediately. Yeah. I see that. Me. I see a, I see a marketing side of you uh, <laughs> are popping up. I, <laughs> I, study, I study finance, hello, of course, marketing is all. Okay. 
How has your outlook in life changed though from this almost two years of freaking goddamn lockdown? Um, my outlook. Uh. Yeah. Not gonna lie, I felt like killing myself actually. There's a few times where I felt like, you know, like this this is hell. This is too much because I've always been someone, well, I'm pretty sure you can relate as well because we have our clients, mm. you know, be it online or in person, we get to teach them hands-on, you know, firsthand. Yeah. And we like to talk. We like to share our knowledge or whatever experience our days. And we have to ask them, like, how's it day, this and that. And when you don't have these things, right, I felt like I'm, I'm an animal inside the zoo. Captivity. There's, there's nothing. And it kills me because I'm pretty sure everyone can tell that I'm rather extrovert. Right. Extroverted. So when you, when I don't have human contact or whatever it is in that, mm. I lost my purpose. And I read, I did my research as well on how it felt to lose your purposes and that. And it does, they did write it down somewhere. It felt like you're, you're not you anymore. And that's the worst part of being alive. You know, you, you can't be you. It's, does it scare you? This kind of thing. Yeah, like, yeah. I was an athlete. I mean, I'm still an athlete, but I can't compete. Where's my purpose? I'm a coach. I can't coach. Where's my purpose? I'm a student. I don't go to campus. Where's my purpose? It's those kind of things. It screws your mind. Yeah, and I'm not even surprised. I mean, this is very sensitive, but we all know that the, the, the rise of the number of cases on suicides and the rates, yeah. it's, it's just very sad to see. It's not, sometimes it's not just about financial stuff, but sometimes it's, it's all within. How do you deal with it though? How did I deal with it? I just try to find as much platforms because like I said again, I love talking to people, mm. even if it means talking to strangers. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds creepy, but <laughs> no. Just strangers. Sometimes like, strangers give the best conversation. Yeah, exactly. So. And I was talking to this friend of mine, which I've never met. Uh, he's Korean. Wait, is he? Yeah, probably. I don't know. Well, we met. Maybe catfish, maybe not. Whatever. But he did say to me this. Uh, he said, the best the best kind of friends are the ones that you've never met and you don't know them. You, you get what I mean? Let's say, yeah. you know, we have, uh, let's say when we were younger, we have, uh, what is that? Pen friends or whatever. Pen pals. Yeah, pen pals. Those kind of things. We don't get to meet them. We forgot about them as well. But yeah. they are some of the nicest people in the world because you know why? He said this to me. The reason why strangers on the internet or whatever, I'm not talking about scammers. <laughs> strangers are very nice to you or whatever because we don't know each other's background. Okay. We don't know our past, each other's past and whatever. So we don't have, the judgment does not come before we say things. You get what I mean? The judgment does like, not let's come. Let's say I know like, let's say uh, this person, uh, uh, let's say as an example, uh, he killed animals before. Uh, let's say I love cats okay. and he killed a few cats before. Then the judgment will stop me like, why am I talking to this guy? I love cats and he killed cats. Let's say if I don't know him, let's say we don't know each other, those kind of things. You know? But we became friends without knowing each other's background. There, there wouldn't be any blockage or whatever before I see things. I would extend that to relationship as well, would you say? Because it's always the beginning of relationships. <laughs> I way. can't relate. Bro, I mean, I suppose past relationships are... <laughs> oh my God, I'm crying. Things are, things are more... Things are more, 
things are heat more things are more exciting in the beginning because yeah, you don't really know someone and as you get to know someone that's like shit I know your whole life history already um, that's the thing but they're not living in that in the past anymore hmm. so like to any couple out there just because you're girlfriend or whatever has a bad past doesn't mean you have to live or think about that okay yeah if he's or she's a nice person I'll just leave her that it's a major sidetrack but yeah I mean also because I'm single as fuck is why I see those kind of shit <laughs> The whole world knows you're single now. Let's try to change that, guys. If, uh, yeah, oh my God. This is July, right? First of July, right? Yeah. Oh my God. One month, two days later, marks my fifth year of being single. Can you imagine that? Oh my God. Okay, this is not going to be part of the rapid fire question, but I think everyone wants to know, why are you single? Um, why am I single? I mean, at the start of, you know, the moment when I was, I became single, mm, it felt like the need, I felt the need to get someone new. But when rebound. I, when I, when, yeah, not rebound. I just wanted to meet new people, this kind of thing. But when I passed that third year, fourth year, mm. I think I get too comfortable being single. There are benefits to being single, would you say? There are benefits. I mean, I won't say it's benefit. It is the perks of being single. It is it's not benefits at all I mean like people say oh you know I, you're single it's so beneficial because no one to disturb you this and that and that I'm like that's not a benefit bro that is the nature of being single and that is the nature of being or having someone it's not really benefits I, I don't see it as benefits it's the nature of it yeah but it does get lonely sometimes you know we're all humans that's why I like to talk to a lot of people I do my Q&A's often well, I do my Q&A's often sorry my mouth was on the other side and uh, well, dating apps, yeah, always on it. Hasn't yes. worked out though. Um, not really. I'm I'm there. Like a lot of people don't believe me when I say like you know I'm on dating sites. Oh, I mean not sites, apps. Just talk and meet new people. That's all. Like the intention, the first intention is not really. You do you want to be with me? No, not not those kind of things. I just want to talk to people first. If I like it, if the chat goes for a long time three months, four months, five months, maybe I pop the questions off. I think that's always, I think that's the best start. Like you don't start with some form of intention, right? Mm. If, I mean, that's how guys become simps like, in a way, right? I you don't go, care. Okay, a lot of people think simping is a bad thing, but I don't care. It's, it's, if you love someone, just simp as much as you want to. The word love shouldn't come out in the first few <laughs> dates. Like. That's my opinion. No, but what I'm what I'm trying to, to, to say is that mm. I find that the traditional sense of dating is, and even with uh, online apps, mm. right? It's it's uh it doesn't make a lot of sense because I think text is limiting on its own. I was just talking to a friend of mine. I think if you want to meet someone and truly know someone, right, you have to and you should go through some experiences with them. That's why maybe certain dates that I would I enjoyed in the past were like dates where we went hiking, dates when we went to play sports, dates where. You go to play pool or whatever it is. You get to just do things outside of just sitting down or just texting. Mm. And obviously that's hard to do now, I want to say. But mm. what, what, would you, what would you say, this is the part where the questions become more juicy, right? What would you look for in the... What do you mean by juicy example? Juicy questions. Who would you... Criteria in looking for a partner? Um, criteria. Well, first thing first, I just want... Well, I won't say I want, okay? 
the person or any person out there should know what they want in life. Should have a goal because I don't like stagnant, you know. The word that you use was um, complacency. Yeah, yeah, complacent. Uh, he should know what he wants in life. Okay. Uh, you don't have to have directions because it's a journey, you know, you don't know where you're going, but you know where you want to be at. So Whether you make it or you don't, that's fine. At least you try. Because I'm trying to be the top strongman as well. But if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. But I'm, I'm not going to stop trying. Just kind of things, you know. Obviously, I want someone to be um, very nice, kind. Maybe he talks a lot as well. Okay. <laughs> because okay. I like to chat. <laughs> you know, one thing about me when I drive, right? When I don't chat, when I don't talk, I fall asleep, you know? I'm not even kidding. That's why it's dangerous for me sometimes. Uh, yeah, basically those kind of things. Because, I mean, when I was much younger, of course, I have more criteria and whatnot. But as I get older, not really. But then as you get older also, you tend to be picky. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I like my guys Twinkie. Yeah. Wait, Twinkie, what does that mean? Uh, Twinkie basically describes, I mean, in the community, there's a lot of uh, terms. Like for me, I don't know, some people call me bear, some people call me muscle bear. It doesn't really matter to me. I think like I'm just making... That's cute. I guess. Yeah, some of the street guys associate that. Stuff. Anyway, Twinks is basically a smooth... Yeah, you see people long guy, long guy here and there. All the skinny guys, smooth, no hair, this and that. Very pretty boy. Okay. Yeah, that's that's what I like. Okay, okay. Yeah. Korean <laughs> Korean guys are essentially, would you say Korean guys are pretty? Or also <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what that means, but the tone that you said it in uh, helps me understand. Yeah. Okay. Anyong? <laughs> I'm gonna ask one more question. You know, I have this. Okay, sorry, I have this client. Right, he's he's very close to me. I've been teaching him for almost two years now. Yeah, and he's still learning from me. He because I've been watching dramas. I didn't even tell him. I just posted my story, and he was like, he called me boss. <laughs> I mean, that's just his former way of calling me. He's like boss. You know what he's saying is, uh, you know what? Uh, I think this would help you. He sent me an ebook of learning Hangul. Uh, is it Hangul or what? It's Korean language or? Uh, Korean language, yeah. Okay. And it's like, what, 200 pages? And I was like, wow, <laughs> thank you. And I've been trying to learn. La. I mean, yeah, I feel my time. Okay, okay, nice. Productive learning. Mm. Um, well, hopefully when the pandemic is over, you can head over there. And Actually, I was planning before pandemic. I was planning to go to Thailand, um, Taiwan, and what do you call this? Korea. Yeah. Best places to go. Have you been there before? Two out of three, Taiwan and Thailand. Thailand, Thailand. Thailand is amazing. I love Thailand. Taiwan, I've never been to Taiwan, but I think it's amazing. I mean, I watch a lot of uh, Taiwanese dramas. Uh, Korean, I don't really watch a lot of dramas, but um, I follow a lot of uh, the idols. I mean, obviously, the the life is different from a normal person. Did you queue up for BTS uh, McNuggets? Um, Actually, no, I'm, I'm not so crazy about it because... I don't really... Well, I only know two songs from BTS. Uh, the, the funny part was, I wanted, to, I wanted to... I was so curious about what's the fuss about all these BTS meals or whatever. But I was too lazy to get it. Okay, I stayed at home and then suddenly when I went to the dining table, I saw BTS meals. My brother bought it. 
Oh. Yeah, I was like, okay. And I tried it like, wow, so so nice, yeah. It don't sue us, yeah. <laughs> it's very normal, eh. It's just the, the it's just the sauce. Yeah, the that. sauce in here. And it's also tastes like tartar sauce in here. <laughs> what a uh, one of the causes of the recent yeah. spike in the COVID, I gotta say. So yeah. Okay. Well, last question I'm gonna ask. Okay. Um and you know what? We can honestly edit this edit this out if it's something you're not can, comfortable answering. No problem. But I feel that you are you are an awesome spokesperson. Mm-hmm. You're very comfortable in your own skin. Of course. And through social media, through all your channels, you've never been shy about revealing who you are. Mm. And what kind of backlash have you experienced from that? Um well, in reality, I mean in real life, I don't receive any backlash. I guess part of it because I'm I'm much bigger than a normal person and they don't really have the guts to, you know, um, verbally hurt me face to face or physically, you know, okay? But cyberbullying, I experienced it a lot. A lot of harassment, this and that. There's one video that I, I saw of you online. I commented to this asshole who commented this. I think you lifted, you were flipping a tire, mm. tire strongman competition. Yeah. And then everyone said, oh, this pride of Malaysia, this guy is doing great. This is amazing. Then one comment just said that, oh yeah, Sadeh lah, you're gay. Yeah. It's like, just kind of things. Okay, it, it all comes down back to your sexuality or whoever that you like has nothing to do with your credibility. All right? It has nothing to do with what you're capable of doing. Yeah, so what? If, if you're this and that, as long as you do good things and you enjoy it, who are you to say things? You know, that's why I see. And probably if this gets posted, a lot of people will hate me, but I don't really care about it. You see? Like, I have always been the person I am today and back then. And I, I'm pretty sure I've done a lot of things, a lot of great things to my family, to people outside. And I feel like there's no need for you to close your eyes and just judge me because of that one thing that I'm different from the others, you know? And just because you are straight, you're heteros, you are the norm, doesn't mean you are clean, pure, those kind of things, you know? That's why I feel, yeah, I'm, like I see a lot of people, right? Okay, especially in, not gonna mention the race or whatever, but we get the G's of it, we get the idea, right? People gamble, people this, people that, people this, prostitution, people sleep around, whatever it is and that, eat pork, okay? Whatever that's against the religion and suddenly one person is gay, they go crazy, they snap. Oh, he's gay, but all of your wrongs, all of the sins, the forbidden stuff that you've done, you never bat an eye. But when someone is abnormal, you hate them for no damn reason. And what if he's more, what if he's more of a saint than you are? You get what I mean? Yeah. That's why I don't really bother about people hating me. Yeah, it doesn't affect me. Yeah. Honestly, to me, like, you know, being, putting myself out there is really a good filter because, you know, I, I'm not hiding myself. I Also, I'm not screaming that I am who I am. Mm. You know, when people ask, then of course I tell them. But the thing is, when people know and they disagree or dislike it, it acts as a natural filter for me. Like, obviously, I'm not going to tell you you can stay or leave. But if you don't like it, then have it your way. Bye-bye. Yeah, it's easy. Mm. 
Have you had, have you lost friends because of this? Um, a lot of friends, especially in high school. Oh, wow. uh, I get judged a lot and this and that. Uh, well, obviously because, you know, government school and everything. Yeah, I stay in touch a lot. Uh, I stay in touch with uh, most of my Chinese friends, but uh, the Malay ones. <laughs> and I don't, I don't care. I, mean, I don't care. We, we, we all have each other's lives. Yeah. As long as we're happy and we're doing good things. Bro, the uncle that you push up the hill, the senior citizens I, I, that you support. That's why I don't want to share it because people might use that over and over again. And it feels like bragging to me and I don't like that. No, the, the reason yeah. why I bring that up again is because I feel that, yeah, you're, as you said, right, shouldn't discount your credibility yeah, of who exactly, you are just right. because you're this one different aspect. Yeah. But um, again, thank you for being brave uh, to, to share that. I think- Well, I'm always brave. There's something always comfortable. There's something I've always been very yeah. inspired by you. I think you're very yeah. open, you're very candid and you are a great spokesperson for- all the communities that you represent. Yeah. So where can people find you, Zaro? Well, if you have Instagram, you can just um, search my name, Zaro Alfian. You're on Reddit as well, right? <laughs> Z-A-R-O-L-A-L-F-I-Y-A-N. And then you probably can see me. La. Yeah, it's not that hard to see me anyway. You can okay. see my thumbnail there. But uh, yeah, I'm not really active on Facebook or whatever. It's mostly IG. And I do Q&As. If you guys have well, nice things to ask, good questions, because I get a lot of nasty questions sometimes. Seriously? You know? Yeah, of course. <laughs> but I don't really reply to them, or if I do, I make fun of them. So if you have any questions, you can just ask me whenever I drop my Q&As. And, you know, during these hard times, I do it much more often, maybe like every every other day. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because I'm free. So if people are searching for your coaching service, they can head over to Instagram mm, and correct. ask you as well. Yeah, you can just DM me, drop me a DM. But sometimes, I don't know why, but the DMs go into my pending box, so I don't really get the message. So mm. I have to recheck and recheck and recheck. But uh, if you are keen to know what politics is about, strongman is about, this and that, or even if you're struggling and you just want to have a chat, you can just DM me. Yeah, that'd be fun. Okay, okay. Thank you for all that you do. My Thank pleasure. you for, I honestly, I, and I know you are going to refute this. I think that you being a world-class strong man, <laughs> last time I'm going to use that. I think oh that God, this guy. after today, I feel like that would be, that would be some, that would be the last thing that I would put under the list of achievements of who you are, to be honest. Yeah. And I thank you for opening up. I thank you for sharing. Thank you for being on this podcast. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting already. me as well. Yeah. yeah. Araso. <laughs> what does that mean again? Araso is like, understood. Oh, it's like, okay. Okay. It's like, okay. Okay. It's like, it's like uh, Brad, do you want to have, do you want to sleep later? Araso. Araso. It's like, it's more to Araso, but I can't really do it. Still learning. Can you help me say um, goodbye in Korean to the oh, audience? Uh, basically, when you say hi, you say annyeong. Yeah. That's informal. When you say bye as well, it's annyeong. Annyeong as well? Yeah. Uh, when you say but formally when you say um, hi it's like annyeong haseyo but when you say bye annyeong kaseyo annyeong kaseyo but those are formal okay yeah but when you say just like annyeong it's like bye annyeong yeah <laughs> oh my god you look like a real hello <laughs> uh, that is it